Amen. 
good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Happy Father's Day to all of the fathers. Oh, man. I feel like it's, it's, this Father's Day feel a little bit different. I don't know if it's because we've been, you know, quarantined and locked in. And so it just I just feel a certain burst of energy and excitement among the fathers and just people in general uh, as we celebrate. I guess this is probably the first since uh, even Mother's Day we didn't do as much as we normally do and we like to do. But uh, I guess since they uh, lessened some of the uh, restrictions, uh, we feel a little bit better. I guess that's what it is. So happy Father's Day to all of the fathers, fathers out there. Amen. To my dad, I say happy Father's Day to him. I said it earlier this morning, but I'll still tell him again. Love him. He's a great man and a great example to us. And so I thank God for him. And to all of you fathers out there, continue being the great man you are. Love your family. Love your children. Uh, it's the way of God. Amen. I was talking to my elder son the other day, and I was telling him just how important it is, uh, how a father, the importance of a father in the home and how the, the home rely on the father, look to the father, and um, he realized his, his, his responsibility. Uh, I remember when I got married, um, that was what hit me, the responsibility of um, taking care of a family. That was the biggest thing that hit me, like, dude, you are now responsible to make sure your family is taken care of, and you ought to lead them the right way, especially in Christ. And so it's a great responsibility, but it's a blessing, and we thank God for that. Amen. I guess they said we need to uh, get the voice going a little bit better. We're experimenting this morning. And so we have, uh, as you can see, we came out into our church building to uh, try to prepare things for you when we officially open back up that we can begin to accommodate everyone. And so today was our first dry run, as we like to say. And so we have the parking lot ministry going, making sure we're directing traffic the right way. We have our nurses outside and everyone's temperature has been taken. Mine was 97.5. And so we were all in 97 something. Uh, you get too close, the nurse is going to tell you, hold on, it ain't going yet. Let's, let's just take a couple minutes and we'll check you again. And then we had the, the head nurse, where is she? You know, she, she, she said the, um, the other nurses missed one thing. So now she came around with her notepad asking the question, have you come in contact with anyone with uh, COVID? Have you experienced any of these symptoms? And so we have to make sure we answer her on that. So we're all in here safe. And so that this is our first uh, test run to make sure we're doing things the right way that when we open back up for everyone we will be safe and we will still worship the Lord run the aisles do all the things that we normally do but everyone will be in here safe and so we look forward to that um, as of right now we have targeted uh, July 5th to be the official uh, day we will open back up so we'll do one more test run next week and then July 5th will be the uh, day when we will uh, start to come back together officially. And um, we're, we're going to do two services. It's the only way to accommodate everyone. So we will do two services. One will be at 9 a.m. and one will be the 10.30 uh, a.m. service. And we will make sure that, we, well, we've tried to make sure that the group is divided equally to see who comes at 9 and who comes at 10.30. And so we did alphabetical order. So A through L, A through L will come at 9 a.m. And then M through Z will come at 1030. 
And so we'll work that. We'll give you more information. What I'll do next week is I will kind of um, run through um, the instructions that we need to follow so we can come back in safely. And so not only will I say it um, um, digitally, but I will also have them posted on the website so you can see if you need to uh, just be familiar with the um, instructions that we will abide by. So next week I'll give you that in full detail. That way we will be on board and know what we are doing. So today you might give us your feedback, as we like to say. Please give us your feedback um, just to let us know how the sound is and the clarity. And We want to hear everything because it's, you know, this is just the way uh, church service will be moving forward. And if we don't get with it, we're going to miss out on reaching our lost world. And so we're doing everything we can to reach our lost world. And so there's going to be people in here, as always, but we're also going to be sure that we're giving the best possible service to you. And I mean that literally and, you know, also not literally, but we want to uh, give the best service and best opportunity for you to be a part of our service. And as you know, I, um, I also want to hear from you where you are um, engaging and being a part of our service. So we know as of right now, we know that we have Christ in a church family in, in Jamaica. Um, and we thank um, those that are in Jamaica for being a part of our church service. Uh, we know we have Christ-centered um, family members in New York. Amen. Deborah Brantley. Amen. I got to give you a shout out because we've been giving Paul Brantley a lot of shout outs. So let's give Deborah Brantley a shout out this morning. And so we have family in New York. Um, we have family in Canada. We have family in Port St. Lucie, Florida. And um, we don't know of all the family that's tuned in um, across the nation and even uh, internationally. But we welcome all of you and all of you that are here this morning. We welcome you to Christ Centered Church. Amen. We are the church where Jesus Christ is our central focus, and we will never stop letting Christ be the central focus. We want him to be the center of our life. And so we thank all of you for tuning in this morning, for joining us together. We're going to have a great time in the Lord today. Um, I thank the praise singer. They were awesome this morning, weren't they? Amen. For the past three months, we've been enjoying uh, great songs um, just from the actual artists. And uh, this morning we had our very own to sing in uh, worship in the Lord, and we thank God for that. So, choir, choir, okay. <laughs> ah, help us, Jesus. Praise and worship. Thank you so very much. You all did a wonderful job. And pray for Brother Scarlett and Sister Patrice. Keep praying for them. I mean, I feel their pain, and it's nothing really a whole lot that I can do because I'm not a you know, I'm not the audiovisual guy. I'm not the, you know, the electronics guy. And so they, they're doing everything. Um, even my kids got caught up in the swoon of what they're doing because, you know, they set out to try to get things done for you. And it seems like it's just going to take a few minutes. And before you know it, they're, they're four hours in trying to figure out to make everything work. And so we're still figuring it out. I'm sure you probably looked this morning and said, why is it's not clear the way it used to be? I know we're working on it. But um, thank God for uh, Brother Scarlett and Sister Patrice. They're doing a great job in making this all go. Thank God for them. Amen. That's right. Amen. Well, we're going to move our service right along. Somebody say it's offering time. Amen. We want to get your offering out. And again, we're trying to be safe. And so we'll put our offering basket right there.
and we'll still march around. You're seeing a little bit of what will happen when we officially start on July 5th. Um, you'll, you're seeing what will happen. So we will not have an usher holding the basket, um, but we'll just leave the basket right there. And so when you come around, you can just drop your offering in. If, if it's too low for you, send one of the kids with your offering. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we just want to practice all of this um, so we'll get it down right because we don't want anybody being sick. We don't want anyone um, being unsafe in any way. So we are trying to do our very best uh, to abide by CDC guidelines and keep the church of the living God safe. So get your offering in your hand. It's time to give unto the Lord. Amen. God has been good to us. And um, we just want to be obedient and uh, come with our offering in worship. And so we thank God for all of what he has given unto us. He told us that we should give as it has been given unto us. And so whether it's health and strength, whether it's um, uh, a job, whatever it is, God has provided for us. And he wants us to bring our tithes and our offering into the storehouse. And so it's a great privilege to give unto the Lord. And giving is another form of worship. Somebody say worship. Where's our offering preacher? We've got an offering preacher in this church. <laughs> uh, the offering preacher is there. All right. Don't worry, offering preacher. We'll get you in at some point in time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Stand with me. Get your offering in your hand like we always do. Amen. Am I missing anything? Is there something I should have mentioned that I didn't mention? No? We're all good? Hallelujah. Amen. Brother Henry, thank you so very much. We're always doing your thing, Brother Tom. Man, you guys are stellar. Appreciate you. Ms., good to see you looking sharp this morning. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. He came in the door. That's the first thing I saw. I had to give him a little, you know, hand bump there. I'm looking so good, fella. Hallelujah. Our nurses, Sister Sylvia, Sister Sharon, Sister Cummings, they, they, they official. You know, we're not playing around. Sister Scarlett, the new nurse to the bunch, but never the, the other the other what they call the old head nurses. They've been around a long time doing it. Sister Scarlett is uh, one of the nurses, uh, but she can't do all the duty because she has to be praise and worship. And so, um, you know, she'll she'll make sure we're good inside while you guys make sure we're good outside. Amen. Thank God for all of our nurses. We're blessed in this church to have people in the healthcare uh, field that's been out there um, doing what they do to try to keep us all safe. They put themselves on the line to keep us all safe. And we salute you, nurses. We really do. We appreciate you. And everyone that's in the healthcare field, we salute you. We appreciate you. You have been tremendous, and we thank God for you. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Okay. I guess it's offering time. Get your offering in your hand. You ready, Brother Joe? All right. All right. Let's pray for the offering, and we'll have uh, Brother Josiah and our brother Scarlett to come and minister as they always do and we always enjoy. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, for this great privilege and opportunity to be in your house this morning, to be able to worship and praise you, adore you, and bless your name. Father, we come now with our tithes and our offerings, and I pray, Almighty God, that you will receive it as we give cheerfully, as we give willingly. Lord, bless every giver, Lord God, and multiply and give back unto them. And Lord, move on us that we will be sure 
to let it go for your intended purposes. In Jesus' name we pray. Don't forget, you can give online, uh, ChristCenteredOnline.org or .com. Um, you can also give by um, Cash App. You can give by PayPal. And you can also reach out to Sister Patrice, and you can um, give that way. Also, you can mail in your offering to 22 Concord Avenue, Hamilton, New Jersey, 08619. Or you can call me up, send me a text, and I'll stop by. Hallelujah. Thank you. God bless you.
got to learn how to be with one another. And I said, I'd rather uh, us understand a, le a little bit more about this before we begin to bring an innocent child into this situation. So uh, we, we love each other. I'm just sad that she's not here with me today, but she is spending Father's Day with her father, and I'm thankful that um, they're having a great time. I want to wish him a happy Father's Day. I called my father earlier this morning. just wanted him to know how much I loved and I appreciated him. But uh, I'm here, and I am excited about what God is doing, and I am excited about what God is getting ready to do. And if you have your Bibles, join me really quick in the book of Mark, the 8th chapter. I'm going to take you there just as swift as possible. Mark, the 8th chapter, um, whether you break open the book uh, that's sitting there on your coffee table here in your lap, or maybe you bring it out on your phone, I'm going to be reading from Mark, the 8th chapter, and I will start at the 22nd verse. Mark the 8th chapter in the 22nd verse. And it reads, And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. Meaning, if do you see the way that you should see? Do you see the way that you ought to see? He looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. And so after that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him to look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. Now he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town, nor tell it to any in the town. When he was restored, he saw every man clearly. And that's what I want to speak unto you today with this thought. I see men clearly. I see men clearly. For the next few moments, why don't we open our hearts and our minds right now to the Lord. Let us close our eyes and pray. One more. Let me hear you right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, we're asking for your spirit to have it in Lord, we need you today, Lord, not only to bless our churches, to bless our church families, to move into this building and to move into every home, God. We ask you to bless every heart, every mind, Lord God. We're not just asking you to touch and bless fathers today, Lord, but everyone that does not understand who they are in God, who cannot see themselves clearly in what you have created them to be, We are the offspring of the Lord. We're asking that you will speak healing and deliverance into our nation and into our Release us from depression and pain. Release us from anger. Release us from 
probably already speaking selfishly. I have traveled for, for many years across this country and even been privileged to go over the Great Pond a few times. I have seen apostolic services begin to move in ways that I expect apostolic services to move. I am Pentecost in experience, but I am apostolic in doctrine. I believe in the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I believe in the evidence in speaking in other tongues as the initial sign of God's Spirit being within man. I believe that there is only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I have seen churches operate in the Spirit. I have seen some of the greatest moves of God, and I've been a part of a great apostolic union. But I have seen a great Spirit begin to affect churches all across the world. I have seen churches not operate in the, in the power of God. I have seen churches not operate in signs, in healings, and wonders. I begin to question why we aren't as powerful as we should be. I've questioned God and I've wondered why we are not seeing the work that was promised, that in the last days He would pour out of His Spirit upon all flesh, thus saith the Lord. Why are we not walking in the greatest revival that has been prophesied and spoken? Why are we still seeing churches in some places fall apart and saints walk away? I have questioned because I wondered, was it the preaching? We have the greatest preachers in the world. From this pulpit and pulpits across our country and our world, I have heard some of the greatest sermons ever preached by some of the most anointed men I have ever known of in human flesh. I have heard messages that have changed lives, that have moved souls, that have broken chains because there is nothing like the preached word of God. Amen. It is because he has said, I have chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that are lost. There is nothing like the Word of God being preached into your life. You need answers for life's problem, it is in the Word of God. You need direction for your faith, it is in the Word of God. You need a change of heart, it is in the Word of God. You need to see your life differently, it is in the Word of God. The Bible tells us that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. This word is powerful. This word is anointed. This word is sharp. This word is your defense against every issue in life, whether physically, whether financially, emotionally, or spiritually. This word has the answer. And we have the greatest preachers of this word that has ever been. Come on now. Take there is truth in them and there is revelation in with them. And with the word, there is nothing more powerful than the preaching that we have heard in our movements. Amen. And I asked whether it was our worship. And if you were with me just last summer in, in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, where... Oh, St. Louis, I believe it was St. Louis, Missouri, where over 30,000 young people gathered in one building and began to magnify the name of Jesus. As the United Pentecostal Church hosted North American Youth Congress yes. again, 
there was a great number of young people that came out and we had worship and praise like you would not believe. If you were there, you know. If you heard it, you know. If you tuned into the services, you know. Because even if you were in the high parts of the stands or if you were watching it on the couch in your home, there was an anointing that began to move because we know there is nothing like the commandment that everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. We've got the greatest instrumentalist that any church could ever have. We've got the greatest vocalist that any anointed musician could ever have. And we know how to praise him with the timbrel and the dance. We know how to praise him on the sultry and the heart. We know how to praise him with our voice. We know how to praise him with everything that is within us. And praise is not our problem. And preaching is not our problem. We know that in the midst of his praises, God will come in. We know that we enter into His gates with thanksgiving and to His courts with praise. We know the commandment of praise and worship as God delights in the praises of His people. We know that praise moves God. Amen. And it's not our problem. Because as apostolics and Pentecostals, we know how to praise. And we have preaching. And I wonder if it's now prayer. But I have been in our services where the people of God have gathered together before the preached word. And before the first instrument ever strikes its chord, before the first drumbeat ever comes, I hear the saints of God in the sanctuary and I hear them in their prayer rooms praying, God, pour out your spirit, God, have your way, God, forgive us of our sin. And if there's anything that moves God more than anything, it's prayer. Jesus never one time invited his disciples to play him on an instrument or lift up their voice in song. But he said, if you would go into your closet to pray, if you would go just a little bit further in the garden with me to pray. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and seek my face and pray, turn me from there. Nothing moves God more than prayer. Amen. And we know that if we want revival, we've got to pray. We know that if we need God to heal, we've got to pray. We know that if we need God to show and demonstrate His authority in our lives, it begins with prayer. So preaching's not a problem. Praise is not a problem. And I heard in the sanctuary today that even prayer to God's people is not a problem. And if it's none of these things, then what is it? I say it goes beyond these three things and it falls into the mind of every man, every woman, every boy and girl that attends our church services. That one, they have forgotten who God is in them and they've forgotten who they are to Him. We have lost our identity in Christ. We have lost our understanding that God is for us and not against us. We have forgotten that God is greater in us than the one that is in the world. We have forgotten that we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. We have forgotten that God is greater than anything. God is greater than sickness. God is greater than pandemics. God is greater than disease. God is greater than politics. God is greater than any power or being or anything entity in the world. God is greater than organizations. God is greater than ideologies. God is greater than any belief or any psychology. God is greater than addiction. He's greater than depression. He's greater than oppression. He's greater than pain. He's greater than any thought that 
your heart or your mind and we have forgotten who we are to Him. And our identity has become misconstrued because we begin to align ourselves with ideologies of man rather than the principle of God. And we can't see who we are clearly. And we cannot operate in power. And we can't operate in authority because we don't know who we are any longer. My God. As long as the children of God were in complete relationship and subjection to God and His Word. There was no problem that they ever faced that God did not bring them through. There was no sickness that they ever came against that God would not heal them of. There was no giant in their way, no nation in their path that God would not make a way straight through. He would even part waters that they would walk through on dry ground because God was their God and they were His people. Because He said, if I am your God, and you are my people. Right. You shall be strong and do exploits. So if you don't feel strong, and if God is not showing himself mighty in your life, you might want to check your identity and who God is in your life. Come on now, preacher. It's a wake-up call for revelation to understand where have I put God in priority in my daily schedule? Where have I put God in priority in my everyday life? Where have I put Him in priority to my shows and to my friends, to my job and to things around me? If God has been removed from the high place in your life, uh, then it's very easy to become susceptible to the attack of the enemy. It's very easy to become vulnerable to those that are around you and fall prey uh, to the thinkings and the lightnings of people that want you to follow their path uh, and their belief. And you begin to get influenced by people that should never have a place to influence your life. The Bible tells us in the book of First Kings, and forgive me if I'm just going too fast. Take a time, preacher. I've got a lot to cover here. We're only have one service, and we're going to let God move and have His way. Amen. But I don't want to leave this day without bringing forth the word that God has put on my heart. There was no king that ruled Israel in such an evil way like Ahab. The Bible said there was never a king that provoked God unto anger like he had. He had allowed his wife to go into the temple of God, rule out the priests, and raise up idols to her god, Baal. He began to let his wife begin to murder and kill priests, even in the streets to the point where they were running in fear from their life. They were an ungodly duo, but more importantly because he was a man of God, a man of principle, a man of understanding, and a man of anointing set in control of God's people. And he allowed wickedness to rule him. One day another king comes knocking on his door. A king by the name, name of Ben-Hadad. Ben-Hadad sends two servants and they walk right into Ahab's chambers. They let him know right now, as of this moment, everything that you have now belongs to Ben-Hadad. Your gold is mine and your silver is mine. The first thing that Ben-Hadad threatened of Ahab was his financial securities. He wanted him to know that his blessings, his jobs and everything that brings in an influx of blessings, the things that bring in provision for the families, it's gone. And it's now mine. You don't have any say-so over it. You can't do anything about it because as of this moment, your gold 
and your silver now belongs to me. The next threat came right immediately after. And it went from the gold and the silver. And he said, and now I want you to know uh, your wives and your children are now also mine. Your ability to produce and create future generations. Your longevity in life and your future anointing and your future calling. As we sang the blessing this morning, may Him keep you and bless you and your children and their children and their children. He's letting you know I'm killing off the lineage now. Everything that you have from your money to your family now belongs to me. Come on. Ahab didn't say a thing. Dumbstruck, shaking. The two messengers of Ben-Hadad leave. They walk out of Ahab's courts, threatening and taking everything that he could take. And Ahab didn't even respond because when you don't know who you are, and you don't know who you're supposed to be. Uh-huh. The enemy will come when he wants. He'll come as he wants. And he'll take everything he can get. Yeah. And you can't stop it. Because when you don't know who you are, what authority do you have? That's right. When you don't know who you are, what power do you have? Right. What boldness do you have? What foundation do you have if you're having an identity crisis and you can't see who you are clearly? Come on, speaker. Ahab goes and he seeks his counsel. What do I do? He just come in and he just took everything. I didn't even fought and we didn't even go into a battle. He just came in and he threatened what he was going to take and he took it. He's counseling with the men that he should never be counseling with uh, because they're not giving him godly advice. Uh, they're not telling him the things that he needs to hear. They're telling him the things that's going to pass this season on uh, and just try to skate by with the skin of your teeth and just keep your neck on your head. Uh-huh. Or your head on your neck, either one. <laughs> and all of a sudden, here comes a young prophet. Not afraid because he's not running. Not afraid because the Lord sent him. Not afraid because he knew who he was and he knew who he represented it. No matter what prophets of Baal were overtaking the house of the Lord, no matter what threats Jezebel was bringing their way, no matter what death uh, they were declaring against them, this young preacher comes in and he points his finger in the face of Ahab. uh, And he said, the Lord has told me tomorrow you're going to go out. uh, You're going to send the young men of the princes of the provinces. uh, They're going to meet Ben-Hadad before he even gets here. uh, And God has already promised you victory. Uh, You don't have to fret. uh, You don't have to worry. uh, You don't have to be sleepless tonight. Uh, You don't have to have no peace in your heart or your spirit. God has already given you a word. Uh, God has already given you a provision. Uh, God has already said that he has gone before you. Uh, Tomorrow there will be victory. Uh, Tomorrow there will be rejoicing. Tomorrow there will be a fight and you're going to come out victorious. God has already proclaimed the promises for you. He has already promised 
the blessings that come in a life that is committed to Him. He's already told you the blessings that come in a life that obeys and honors His Word. He's already told you what you do when you do right and you do according to what He has said, what God would do, how He would make you fruitful in the land of your affliction, that He will make you blessed. He would enlarge your borders, how strong He's going to be on your behalf. He's already told you what's in the head of you. When you began to do what thus saith the Lord. Ahab had one question. Well, who's going to order the battle? Preacher, I believe in this moment, looked at him sternly and more sternly than he had ever looked at him before. Put his finger right in his face. And he said, you are. Because though he had provoked the Lord to anger more than any other king, he was anointed just as Saul had been anointed. He was anointed just as David had been anointed. He had been anointed just as Solomon had been anointed. And every king that lived before him, the prayer of the priest was upon him. The anointing of the prayer of God was upon him. Despite his actions and the decisions that he had made, he was anointed to be the king of God's chosen people. He was called to stand on behalf of the people of the living God. And though he had not shown forth this God, it did not mean that God had walked away. It did not mean that God had left him. It did not mean that God had forsaken him. He's not just waiting for an opportunity that I can show my sovereignty one more time. If you know who I was, who I was to you, who I was for you, that any enemy you come against will be under your foot. Come on now, preacher. Don't you know who you are? You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a peculiar people. You are a holy nation. You are the light that has been set upon a hill that cannot be hid. You are the called of God. You are the chosen of God. You are the anointed of God. You are the body of Christ. You are powerful. You are great. You are mighty. And you are strong. Amen. You need to remember who you are. And start to see yourself clearly. Ahab ordered the battle. They went and fought. Then Hadad fell. But the preacher also turned and he wait. Just, just wait. He's coming back in a year. And just as the preacher prophesied, one year later, Ben-Hadad comes back. Mm-hmm. His idea, because they fought them in the mountaintops, uh, that they, O oh Lord, was on their side and he was God of the mountain, that that's why he had victory only in the mountaintop. And he said, but when we go out this time, we're going to fight them in the plain uh, because their God is the God of the mountain only and not the plain. Uh, that's where we're going to fight them. Uh, and you see, that's what happens. Uh, we get on a spiritual high uh, and we start living lofty ideas and visions on a mountaintop experience. 
experience. But life is lived in the plain. Faith is lived out in the plain. Your relationship with God is lived out in the everyday mundane monotony of Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday. When things come against you that you never saw, saw coming. Bad doctor's reports come. Bosses come in and they got layoffs and they got furloughs. Pandemics hit the nation. Things shut down and people don't know how to live for God in the plain. All they know is when they're on the mountaintop experience, nothing can stop them. No enemy can stop them. But God said, I'm not just the God of the mountain. I'm God of the valley also. I'm giving you victory there. A lot of us have not been able to see ourselves clearly because we've not let God be God every day. Take your time, preacher. Come on now. He's God only in our mountaintop experiences. But God said, I want to be with you on a daily basis. I want to be with you in the plane of life, in the ordinary of life. Every day is a gift from God. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. And would you know it when they went out as Ahab ordered the battle? If it worked once, it would work again. So Ahab ordered the battle. They went out, they fought them, and they overtook Ben-Hadad again. But rather than pursue Ben-Hadad to the point where they put their enemy completely underneath their feet... Ahab decided that he was going to make peace with his enemies. He was going to learn how to live with his problems. He was going to learn how to live with the skeletons in his closet rather than clean it. He was going to learn how to let addictions live. Sleeping giants lie. Lions sleeping in the corner. He thought it would be good to have an enemy as an ally. Be careful when God has given you an opportunity for victory. That you leave things alive that should never yeah. be in your life. Yeah. That's good. So he strikes up a deal with Ben-Hadad. Ben-Hadad says, okay, just know this. That when the enemy comes back, he always comes back from them. Because Ahab has long gone, been dead, but Ben-Hadad still reigns in his kingdom. And one day, Ben-Hadad and the army of Syria begins to besiege the land of Samaria. And they besieged it so bad, they let nothing come in, they let nothing come out. And then the land was hit with a great famine. You can read about it in 2 Kings. When it was so bad that they were eating dove's dung and donkey's head. Women were trying to kill their children to eat them to feed their own appetite. Because when the enemy came back, he came back for more. When he should have never been there in the first place. He should have been taken care of a long time ago. When God said, I'm the God of the plain. And you've got victory in your plane. But you didn't do with your enemy what I gave you the authority to do. The enemy always wants to come back, but all of these problems persisted because a king did not know who he was or who he was supposed to be. Jesus had just fed a multitude. They had seven baskets of meat left over. Mark the 8th chapter. Then all of a sudden the disciples are with Jesus and the Pharisees come around again trying to ask Jesus questions, seeking a sign. 
He says the wicked generation seeks these kinds of things. You don't want relationship with God. You don't want to know who I really am. You just want to see me do a miracle. You just want to see my presence work among the sick. You want to see something spectacular. You don't really want salvation. You don't really want deliverance. You want a momentary blessing. You want to walk in. You want to receive and you want to walk out. And you want to leave me far behind. You don't want to know me. You don't want to know my heart. You don't want to know my presence. You don't want to know my word. You don't want to know my calling. You don't want to know my love. You don't want to really know who I am and why I really came. You just want of what I can do for you. Pharisees walk away and the Lord goes to another side of the sea. The Bible said that he come to another place but the disciples who had just seen the Lord do another miracle of blessing the bread and the fish and breaking it and dispersing meat and having more than enough left over. The Bible said that they didn't even bring enough meat bread with them for the day. They even forgot the basket of meat behind. You know what? At this point, I'm just going to sidestep from my message right now for a little bit. It seems that the works of Jesus to the disciples was nothing more than a carnival show. Mm-hmm. Traveling magicians. And you see them all the time. You go into New York City when they've got this big speech that they want to give and everybody's kind of in on it. They know what they're going to do. They know how they're going to do it. And they know that they can do it, but they're all in this speech together. Can he do it? I don't know. Can he? I've never seen it done. Wait, if we can just get some people around this room. It was nothing more than a sideshow. We've got people here listening to Jesus teach for days. We don't even have any food to give them. The Lord said, I know how far they've come to get to me. I'm not letting them go home hungry. Give me some bread. Give me some fish. But we don't have money to buy this kind of stuff. You know what I've done the last time when I had a crowd of 5,000. You just give me what you got. He blessed it all. Oh, he did it again. He did a miracle. Maybe that's just my flesh as a man reading scripture. Because at this point, that's all it seems like. A sideshow. Because as many times as they've seen it, don't they know he can do it? They know he can do it. They just want to see him do it. And just as they get onto the ship and they've only gotten just enough bread for them for a day, the Lord looks at them and he says, Don't be tainted. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. And so they began to reason with themselves. What does he mean by that? What? what? The leaven of the Pharisees. We're not the Pharisees. See, the problem is a lot of us, we try to reason doctrine Uh against the Word. Talk about that. Talk about it. I'll tell you what, one of the worst things that you can do is try to reason what somebody else believes against what the Word says. Uh You want to get messed up in life? Start trying to reason other ideas and other theologies against what the Word says. 
tried to reason with the Pharisees and what they believed because they only they were so strict in the word. You see, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they had a form of godliness but denied the power thereof. You see, the Sadducees, everything was metaphorical. The Pharisees, everything was literal. You have people that are so holy on the outside, but they're ungodly on the inside. Yeah, You've got on. people that they love God on the inside, but in their life they do everything that they still do, and they've always done it. But God is good, and He is love. Yes, there's something that when you begin to reason beliefs and faith against other people, and another disease, and no man should ever be guilty of this, is when you intentionally leave things behind. Expecting God to always make up the space. When the disciples had baskets left over, but they leave them. And they get on the ship and they don't got enough for the day. Oh, my word. Well, God's just going to make it up. I'm not worried about God's just going to have to. God says, no, it's never wise to be ill-prepared for a season. Don't always expect God to make up your slack. He looks at the disciples. He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. It was this very Herod that would one day question Jesus. Are you God? I want to see you do a miracle. I have heard about your teachings. Uh, do something spectacular right here. Uh, and the Lord will say, he did, the Bible would tell us that the Lord didn't even answer him a word. He said, be wary of the leaven of the Sadducees, of the Pharisees, and of Herod. He said, you've seen, you've experienced it. You Don't you know enough? But I hasten to come to the... Comes to Bethsaida. And there in Bethsaida, he's already rebuked the disciples of their understanding. He says, you don't even see it. You don't even understand it. He comes to Bethsaida and they bring a blind man to Jesus. And they besought him to touch him. I would dare say that everyone watching right now from home and everyone in this sanctuary right now, you want God to touch you. You want God to move on your life. You want God to move on your sickness. You want God to move in your family. Jesus. I dare say that when you come to the Lord today, all you want God to do is reach out his hand and move upon you. You want to feel the goosebumps on the back of your head, the anointing flow from the top to the bottom of your feet. But you want the touch. But though that was all they besought the Lord to do, the Bible said that he took the man by the hand. Because God wants to do more than just touch your life. Yeah. He wants to walk yeah. with you. Yeah. He wants to reach his hand out to you and he wants to walk you into the unknown. Yeah. He wants to walk you to the place where the only thing you're depending upon is him yeah. and not yourself. As a blind man, this man knew how to navigate his surroundings without sight. He knew how to feel around to get where he needed to go. He knew how to listen to the sound of the hustling and the bustling of the streets. He knew how to get where he needed to go without being able to see. But God wanted him to do is God wanted him to take him by the hand. And where he goes it's where God leads him. I've got something for you, but you've got to be willing to let me lead. I've got something better for you, but you've got to let me walk you into this new place and this new day and in
season. God wants to walk with every single one of you where you're not leading to your own understanding, but you're trusting in the leading of God's hand. Take a time. Come on, preacher. My God. Come on now. You know how to navigate life and its circumstances on your own because you're wise. And you've had to deal with issues your entire life. But do you know how to walk blindly, just hanging on to the hand of God? Not feeling your way around, but just trusting that where God is leading you, He's got me going in the right place. He's got me going in the right direction. And if I trusted nothing else but the leading of His hands, said you've gotten by on yourself too long I need you to trust in me he gets to a place and the Lord abruptly stops and he turns and he does something almost so disrespectful I've heard theologians debate this about what it was and what it means and some of it is just not even just not even fathomable how they got to the place of the idea having to do with the race or the ethnicity of the man that Jesus did. There was nothing about that right here. Sometimes the greatest blessings of God come through something that seems so uncouth. Your greatest miracles come from the greatest problems you've ever had. Uh, the greatest blessings come through the greatest pain you ever had. Uh, and it's almost as if in life God has somehow disrespected you in some way. Uh, as if God stopped in the path that he was walking you through. Uh, turned around and spit in your face. Uh, he turned around and it was most unconventional of all things. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, I would never want to see anything like it again. Uh, but the Lord stops. Uh, he spits in his face. Uh, he touches the man and then he asks him, Do you see? Oh. I want to know what you see and how you see it. Forget the miracle that the man's eyes are now open and he exclaims, I see men. As trees. Mm. Oh my word. The man's eyes are open. He sees. It tells me that because he sees men as trees and he knew what trees were and he knew what trees looked like. Meaning that in time he was not born blind but he became blind. Mm. And a lot of us weren't born some ways. We became some ways. Some of us, even though our eyes have been opened at one point spiritually, we've allowed things to come in and taint our vision to where we can't see clearly. And in life, in our relationship with God, because we begin to reason with the Pharisees, and we begin to reason with the Sadducees, and because we begin to reason ourselves with what Herod thinks, and what Pilate thinks, or what this movement thinks, or what this athlete thinks, or what that actress thinks, that our vision has become misconstrued, and we become spiritually blind. Oh, because LeBron James thinks it's okay. Uh -huh. LeBron James ain't no king. Amen. There's only one king of glory. Amen. You misconstrued the idea that he becomes blind. But you don't see. But now he is now seeing me in his trees. Don't turn me off at home now. God's getting ready to do something. Come on. 
Every father that's watching right now, every mother that's watching, everyone in this sanctuary, God is getting ready to do something. Because revelation is getting ready to come and your eyes are getting ready to be opened because you're about to get ready to see who you really are. You're going to have an understanding that you're something more and something greater. He said, I see men as trees. And everyone said, that's wrong. That's not right. The Bible and theologians call him a a twice-touched man. Never has God ever had to do anything again. Come on now. God does not make mistakes. He does not mess up. God is perfect. And when he touched the man and he saw me in his trees walking, he let the man see something that God intended man to see from the very beginning. He saw something natural, something that stands above its surroundings, something that feeds from where it is and gives back to its atmosphere. You see, a tree in its full growth can provide enough oxygen for four to six people to live. Two tall, mature trees can live, make sure that an entire family of four to six has enough oxygen. A full mature tree can cost 260 pounds of oxygen in the atmosphere. The natural, holistic idea of a tree is amazing. A tree should go as far down as it does up. Meaning that its roots begin to hold its world together. See, a tree's root system doesn't just reach for water. It holds the ground that it stands on in a tight place so that when strong winds come, it doesn't bend till it breaks. So that when the earth shakes underneath it, it doesn't look. A tree doesn't decide to get up and walk away because it doesn't like the shade that it gets. A tree doesn't get up and move because it's mad at what the preacher said or because somebody offended it. Oh, a tree that is planted by the water that tells us it shall not be moved. You see, when strong winds and rainwaters and floodwaters come, we let things begin to dictate our faithfulness. But if you are more like a tree, like you are made to be, it wouldn't wash your world away just because everything that can come against you does. The Bible said that he has appointed to them that mourn in Zion the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for heaviness, beauty for ashes, that you might be called the planting of the Lord, trees of righteousness. Come on, preacher. You see, the tree not only has a great ability to stand strong, to grow in its environment, to hold its ground together, a tree also produces life in the atmosphere. You see, through the process of photosynthesis, the tree absorbs carbon dioxide from the surrounding air. That what we breathe out, that poisonous chemical that can kill you if it consumes too much inside of your body. Your oxygen levels are so low that your cells cannot produce. See, what happens is the tree absorbs that. And then through the process of photosynthesis, when it absorbs the light of the sun. Come on. 
It takes from its atmosphere. It takes what the sun gives it. And there's a chemical reaction that produces oxygen and sugar. You see, the tree lives off of the sugar. It supplies it to its leaves. So there it's green. And it shows that something's alive on the inside of it. But then in the process, oxygen is released into the atmosphere. A tree can release into the atmosphere up to 78% of the water that it intakes. So in the atmosphere, water reflects life. A tree should be able to give forth life into an environment, not suck it up. You see, when you come into the house of God and you lift up your hands to praise, you receive what's in the atmosphere. You absorb it. Your spirit gets fed. And from what the sun gives you from glory, and you take it and you absorb it, you release faith. You release life. You release anointing. You release power. You release strength. You are more apt to be able to give life around you. So when he said, I see men as trees. You got some music you want to play for a little bit. He saw men the way that God intended men to be seen. See, I created you to stand out. I created you to have authority in your world. I created you to show off praise. I created you to give off glory. I created you to give off a reflection of me. I created you so that I could be seen through you. So that someone around you might understand my goodness and my glory. For the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. He that winneth souls is wise. And yes, even now and then, a tree gets cut down like Job says. But even then, he said there's hope of a tree. That even if it's been cut down, if things are hurt you of things that have afflicted you and they've cut you off at the very bad bottom where the root is almost exposed and begins to die in the ground if you just get the scent of water if you just get the scent of God's word if you just get the scent of God's spirit he said that it will bud again and give up boughs like a plant you were created to stand apart you were created to be a shelter you were created to give off life and nurture and anointing But it's wrong. And it was wrong because men did not understand how they were supposed to be seen. Jesus, we love you, Lord. God made a mistake. God messed up. No, he didn't. So when he touched him again, when he laid his hands upon him again, the Bible says, and he saw every man clearly. You know what I see when I see clearly? You don't want to know what we see when we see every man clearly. Because rather than see your potential, we see your problems. Rather than see what God wants to do in your life, we see what you're doing with your life. We see your addictions. We see your depression. We see your pain. We see your unfaithfulness. We see your fornications. We see your adulteries. We see your 
on your, your awful mentality. We see where you leave your where your uh, emotions on your shoulder. We see things like skin color and we begin to set racial divisions among ourselves because we don't see each other the way that God intended us yes. to see one in Christ, yes. one in the body. We always begin to talk about where we come from and what we did and what we did, uh, what was done to us, what was said, what was how we how we've been through this mess and all this stuff. And we begin to put all these divides when we can't see men the way that God created us to see men. Yes. Because all we can see is with our natural ability to see the distinct function of flesh. I don't want to see it. I'm tired of aggressions that come because we can't see. I'm tired of hatred. I'm tired of seeing families fall apart. I'm tired of seeing caskets carried because of addiction. Jesus. Because you don't know who you are. You don't know that you were made to be a tree of God. The planting of His righteousness. You were created to have an impact in your world. You were created to be a safe haven and to be a light. You were created to be something powerful, beautiful, and unique. Fathers should be standing right now with their hands raised, braving their branches over their family. Saying, I don't need to be speaking negativity into my world. I need to be something strong that my kids can run to. Wives don't need to be standing, uh, sitting just thinking that it's all on the husband. Wives should be standing waving their branches. This is my job to partner with my husband. And making sure people know that God is God in this house. Sinners should be on their knees asking God's forgiveness. Come, why am I not the way that I'm supposed to be? Why am I not strong? Why can I not break my addictions? Sinners need to be on their knees asking God to change them and make them who God has made them to be. Jesus told him, don't tell anybody because nobody believes it when you tell them that they're made for more than what they are. Nobody believes it when they're looking at their mistakes and saying, I'm too much of a mess. I'm not accepted. I'm not welcome. So don't tell them because they won't believe it. When you have actually seen with the mind of God what I created man to be. But now that you see clearly, you see what man has become and how they view themselves. Come on right now, wherever you are, why don't you close your eyes and open up your heart and mouth and begin to pray right now. Why don't you spread your branches right now? 
Come on, it may be a time of a storm, but that's when a tree begins to spread its seed. That's when the trees begin to cross-pollinate, when the strong winds begin to blow. They go through a stormy season, but then when the next season comes, they see other trees beginning to live around them because in the storm when you stood strong, in the storm when you took the beating, in the storm when you took the strong winds, you began to testify of God's mercy. You began to testify. Come on, if you've been speaking too much negativity... It's time you start releasing the Holy Ghost into your atmosphere. It's time you start absorbing from what's around you and release healing around you right now. Release anointing over your families. Release anointing over your children. I speak healing in the name of Jesus. Authority in the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Power over every heart, every mind, every soul, every spirit in the name of Jesus.
keep seeking the Lord, keep crying out to him, sincerely go to him and say, God, I thank you for your touch. But God, more than anything else, I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. And I want to see clearly in the name of Jesus Christ. This is our opportunity. Let's seize this moment to let God take you by the hand. Seize this moment to let God move you into a new dimension. Seize this moment and let the Lord cause you to see clearly, to open your eyes, to see the way you've never seen, to see man the way you ought to see your brother, your sister, and everyone else. That God caused me to see them clearly, not from my corruptness, but caused me to see them, Lord God, from the viewpoint of God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Help us today, Lord God. We don't want to walk away from this service today without a change. Deep down within us, Lord God, without seeing clearly.
for you. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter the circumstances. God is for you. God is for you. Hear, hear what God wants to tell you today. God is for you. He will cause you to see man clearly. He will cause you to see like you've never seen. God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. Come on, let's stand to our feet and lift up the name of Jesus and clap our hands unto the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Wherever you are right now, why don't you lift your hands unto the Lord? Why don't you lift your voice and give a shout out to Jesus? Wherever you are right now, we want you to praise him and magnify his name. Something is transmitting from God to you right now. Something is happening. You're being a tree. You're being a tree. Oh, hallelujah, God. Have your way. Have your way. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, have your way. Have your way in their life. Have your way in their life. Have your way in their home. Have your way in their situation, oh God. In the name of Jesus. Come on, clap your hands and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He's for you. He's for you. He's for you. He's for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. Amen. What a word this morning. And the presence of the Lord is just, oh, I... Can't you feel the presence of the Lord? I know you feel the presence of the Lord. The presence of the Lord is right where you are. Receive Him today. Receive the word of the Lord today. Receive the word of the Lord. Amen. Evangelists, our good friend, we appreciate you so very much. What a word. What a word that we received this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you for allowing God to use you the way he wanted to use you. Amen. We praise God for that. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name. Hallelujah. Anybody feel blessed this morning? This afternoon. Anybody feel blessed? Did you receive a word from the Lord today? Did you receive a word from the Lord today? Amen. We got to see people the way God will have us to see them. Amen. We need to see clearly. Brother, I love you, man. Appreciate you just coming. You slipped in Friday night, and you were here all day for business meeting yesterday, and you slipped in this morning and gave us a word, and you're going to slip back to Arkansas, and we're so grateful and thankful for you. And tell Sister Worthington. Sister Worthington, uh, I don't, I don't know what she think about that. But she, you know, the young folks, you know, they don't like to see you. They don't want anything to make them seem, you know, conservative or just what, 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 what does she like? She, she okay with Sister Worthington? She's okay with. All right. She's learning. She's she learning. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she can't change you now. Uh, she, she won't change it. It's just the young people like to be cool, man, and they, you know, they don't want to feel like you know they were like old and stuff. So. Amen. Tell Sister Morgan we love her and Amen. we appreciate her. Amen. And um, we're so glad that she allowed you to come and be a blessing. Amen. Once again to the district and to this church. Church, 
I appreciate y'all. We're trying to make it work, right? The last person that came in, did y'all take their temperature? I'm looking at her. I, I know the last person. You didn't have to raise your hand. Did we take her temperature? I thought somebody snuck in. Amen. <laughs> Amen. As we mentioned earlier, this is our first day of um, we're testing out, feeling out how we can make sure we continue to uh, gather together and have um, services um, and be safe. And we're trying it out. And so today we didn't have everyone to come because we just wanted to see how, you know, the chairs are set up, how families can sit together, what we can do. And for you that are here, this may be the setup, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean it's going to be the setup because, um, you know, just think of uh, when the Odom family come, if it's all of them, they're going to take up wherever they take up. And sometimes you might have two in one family and three in one family. We'll just move the chairs around whatever way. So just get out of your mind of the, um, the, the structure. We, we don't have any set structure. And so we're just going to make it work. That's just what we're going to do. So as we see folks, we're just going to move the chairs around. This is how we will start out. But we will move the chairs around to accommodate the families and everyone that comes. So I'm grateful that you all came out. And again, I appreciate the nurses. They are at the front line like they, they always are on the front line. And so they're out there. They're, they're um, the ones that you encounter first. And um, they make sure they take your temperature and make sure they screen you. And uh, we thank God for them. And so next week we'll do this again uh, at at um, same time. And then I will next week I will give I will talk about um, how we'll go about it when we come together on the fifth. Because remember two services, um, and you know we have to do things a certain way. And so we'll tell you about that next week. We'll post the instructions on the website. And we'll just make sure everyone is fully informed so when we come back as a family and we begin to fill this place up again, that we will do it safely and everyone will feel comfortably, not like in the supermarket. You realize in the supermarket how it's kind of tense and uncomfortable? Oh, man. Uh, so that's, that's tough. Now, the good news about it here, you know, I know that sometimes people can um, have um, the, the virus and... Um, it not be right away um, you will experience symptoms. I know that. But at least I feel comfortably that the first thing that happens when you come here before you enter the building is temperature and your screening. So we know for the most part, for the most part, it's not 100%, for the most part, um, those that made it inside the building, you pass the screening at least. So um, that gives us a little bit of um, wiggle room right there. So keep that in mind. We love you, church. Thank you for being so diligent. Amen. We've got to reach our lost world. Don't forget that. That's what it's all about. While we're here experiencing the goodness of the Lord, you know, always allow God to move on your heart to think about those that don't know him like you do or don't have a relationship with him like you do. And always remember that's what it's about, and we need to reach every soul. If there's anyone that have heard a word today that have moved into the place where you feel like you need to be baptized, please get in touch with us. We have the baptism tank ready. We have baptism robe ready. We have towels ready. And if you need something on your head, we have that ready. And if you want to be baptized today on Father's Day, my goodness, what a day. You'll always remember your spiritual birth. <laughs> your spiritual birthday if you will get baptized today. So reach out to us, whether by text or on the website. Send an email, however you want. Call us. Amen. Just, we're here, and we can baptize you today. 
Somebody say today. today. Amen. So don't miss the opportunity that God has given you. And we want to be a blessing to you. Amen. We want you to have a great Father's Day, fathers. Enjoy your day today. Sit back, relax, and just enjoy this morning. Brother Philippex said we were all, all the uh, pastors were just wishing each other happy Father's Day. And Brother Philippex said his happy Father's Day with a nice big steak at the end. <laughs> I saw that, I said, yeah, Brother Philippex, you know what you're talking about. So I appreciate all the fathers. God bless you. Love you very much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, when we're leaving out, we leave out, we exit out the opposite way of coming in. So you don't exit the same way, you exit the other way. So you enter from the back, you exit from the front. We probably need someone to hold the door, Sister Heidi. That's probably got to hold the door so they can leave out properly. Amen. Thank you so very much. We love you. God bless you. Have a great day.